Welcome to Northridge Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. For more information, visit us online at northridgethomaston.com. Now prepare your hearts as we dive into God's Word. We'll give the Lord a big hand and may be seated. I've <clears throat> been thinking about that, the cross. I um, love that verse. We'll never know how much it cost to see our Savior on the cross. It's cost him everything. We're built into a culture where we believe that, for example, if the government just gives you something that it's free, when in reality, somebody's paying for it. In fact, it's you, the taxpayer. Salvation is oftentimes seen in the same light, that it's just simply free, and it is to you, but it costs Jesus everything. I was thinking about the idea of persuasion. That in a room of this size and those that may be watching today, there is no doubt people who have been in church perhaps most of their life and could have very well missed Jesus completely. So it's very true. I was that person. I was raised in church and I remember when the preacher said, hey, if you don't want to go to hell, come come down. And I went down and he said, proud of you, son, and, and you're going to be baptized. And I went and changed clothes and I got baptized and there was never talk of repentance or conviction or testifying or being unashamed of the gospel, whatever it may have been. It was just a matter of fear. Now, don't get me wrong. The Bible says that even pulling some out of hell with fear, fear can be used as an element, no doubt, to bring someone to the cross. But it was later in life, in fact, I was at Mountain View in the year, it was 1991 in October, that I actually came under under conviction. And I remember uh, on the second row in the middle right, about two or three feet down, I was holding on. I remember my knuckles being white as uh, Rex was preaching and, and the Holy Spirit was moving and, and I, I knew, I just knew that I, despite what I thought or I'd been raised that way and mom and dad had done the best, mom had read the Bible with us, I'd been in church, but again, I had, I had missed it. That was me, that wasn't anyone else's fault, that was me. But that night when I turned loose, it was that moment that I turned loose that I felt the Holy Spirit take over and he began to walk for me. And I got down there and I, I, I told Rex that I, that I was give, had given my life to Jesus. And, and you know, it wasn't even until much later after that that I followed the Lord in baptism. I'd, I was missing something. There's two sacraments that Jesus told us to keep. One is communion, the Lord's table, the Lord's supper. The other is baptism. In fact, Jesus was baptized, and we know that baptism doesn't save anybody because Jesus himself was baptized. And, you know, when he went to his cousin John into the water, uh, John told him, he said, I'm not worthy uh, to baptize you. I'm not even worthy to unloosen your straps on your sandals. And Jesus said, no, let it, let it be done, John, to fulfill all righteousness. And so for those of you today that are being baptized, would you, would you stand for just a moment? If you're going to be baptized today, How about about a big hand for all of them? While while you're standing, I want to say something. I believe that because of your persuasion, because you've been persuaded to follow the Lord, today you will preach the greatest sermon that will ever be preached. 
It's a sermon much better than any that I will ever preach or anyone else will ever preach or any that eloquent, eloquent words could ever could bring forth because it's it's a living testimony. It's your story. It's your profession of faith. We, we saw that in the first service, didn't we, Albert? We saw that in the first service. A lady drove all the way here from uh, up in Tennessee to see her daughter baptized. I guess she's living with her grandmother and she came down and, and her daughter was baptized and then uh, we gave an invitation and her mother got saved. See, it provokes, it stirs up. You may be seated. Thank you. So I don't want us to minimize what it is that you're, you're doing today. But I got to thinking about sin and the cross and the persuasion of it all. We were reading in our, in our daily reading, those of you that are following along in that, uh, a week or so ago, we were in Acts chapter 26. And we come to the point where Paul is, in essence, pleading his case. But he's not just, if you really look at the, the spiritual undertone, he's not merely pleading his case to Festus and, and Agrippa. He's, he is doing so to plead the gospel. So he begins to the dialogue about the story of who he was. He was Saul of Tarsus. He was a, a man that was a murderer of Christians. And, and in fact, he told Agrippa, he said, in fact, I even went back to another city. And uh, I was there when Stephen was stoned. I was there where they laid the clothes. And I went to another city and was going to bring back more Christians. And it was there on that road, of course, Acts chapter 9, Damascus, that he met the Christ. And he said he saw him and he, and he heard him and he was knocked from his horse and scales were placed upon his eyes of blindness. And it wasn't until he went later to Ananias' house, the scales were removed as he was prayed for. And then he went on a gospel mission and became the greatest church planner, missionary, preacher of the New Testament church, writing nearly two thirds of the New Testament. So for me, it was a matter of, oh, wow, well, if he could save Paul, then he can save me. If he can save Paul, he can save you because you're, you're talking about one of the most detestable of all New Testament uh, people. And yet ultimately, Paul is martyred for his faith. If that alone is not historically evidentiary to prove not only Jesus, but the risen Savior and the power of the gospel, then guess what? There's nothing that you will be persuaded by. I tell you that because in Acts chapter 26, around verse 28, I think, there's a statement made by King Agrippa that is absolutely profound. I've read it a thousand times, but it literally floored me the other day. And here's the statement. He told Paul, as Paul gave all this dialogue, he looks at Paul and he said, Paul, I was almost persuaded to become a Christian. The literal translation is, you almost convinced me to follow the way. What, what was it that was the pushback for King Agrippa to not fully be persuaded? Maybe it's the same persuasion that many of us in the church today of America have. It's a hang up. Maybe for King Agrippa it was, hey, I, I believe the Old Testament because Paul said that several times. He said, you, you know what I'm telling you is true. I've not done anything against the church. I've not done anything against the prophets or the law. Paul even said, I'm a Pharisee among Pharisees. But what was it that was the hang-up? And then I got to thinking, what is it that's the hang-up for the church today? Because I want to I make a bold statement, but I don't want you to miss the heart behind it. In Revelation, we're, we're, we're seeing letters from seven uh, to seven different churches, both literal churches of that day, but also conditions of churches in the modern church, church culture. And, and even if we personified in our own heart, it would be that which we possess. For example, maybe we've forgotten our first love. Maybe you need to rededicate your life today. Then go back to your first love. Remember the day he called your name. Remember the day he saved you. But for others of you, you might be that Laodicean church. You might be that church that has fallen into lukewarmness. 
this. And hear me, I'm not calling you a lukewarm Christian because I don't think they exist. It's lukewarm church members. You say, Mark, can you prove that? I really think I can. He said, I would rather you be cold or hot, but because you're lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth. Literal translation, don't mean to be gross. I will throw you up. I will vomit you out of my mouth. That's not how he talks to his kids. Because the lukewarmness of the church today has gotten our culture where we are and it's detestable to the holy of holies. And here's the thing. You may not even realize it. You may not even realize it. Maybe you've rested on legalism, which has convoluted the message of the cross completely. Completely. It's distorted the cross. It's, the cross was foolishness to those who didn't believe but the power of God unto salvation. So you got people who, listen, you were born an enemy of God. You didn't have to do anything to become God's enemy. You inherited that by Adam as the fall would have it, that you and I became an enemy of God. And so it was in God's pursuit of me, not my pursuit of him, that he found me. I didn't find him. He called me. He wooed me. He drew me by the person of the Holy Spirit. And I called upon his name and he saved me. He seated me in heavenly places. I'm a child of the most high God. I belong to him. Nothing can take away what God has freely given. If I'm in his hand, no man can pluck me out. But what about the person who just thinks that they're just legalistically fashioning their own way, not the way, but their own way, i.e. church membership? I got one for you. Baptism, tithing, serving. You want to get real personal? Preaching. I believe there are a lot of lost preachers today in our world. They're lost. I, I, and I don't say that, honestly, for, for an applause, and I mean no disrespect, but I'm saying you can be baptized in this pool, that pool, all the way over to every pool and water and body of water to Mississippi, and you will, if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life, you're just a lost, wet sinner. When you stand before God, and you will, Let's, let's not forget the old preaching of the day, the old idioms of the day that if they became that, maybe cliche, maybe that's why we just discarded them. But there's a literal, true place called hell that we're to shun, that we're to avoid. God sends, hear my heart, God sends nobody to hell. If someone goes to hell, it's because they choose to by rejecting the love of the truth. They choose to by stepping over, metaphorically, his dead yet resurrected body. You have to see the cross, walk through it into the pits of hell because you denied the love of the truth. Not because of God. God didn't create it for you and I. And even for sinners for that matter. He created it for Satan and his followers. But God is holy. God is just, but God is holy. And he demands, listen, to, I want to make a statement that's going to blow your mind. You know what he demands from you? Perfection. Now let, that, let that marinate a minute because I know what you're thinking. Well, Mark, I, I'm not perfect. That's why you need Jesus. Because what God sees in me, Albert, and this, this blesses me. He doesn't see my imperfections. He doesn't see my frailties. He doesn't see my wrong turns. He sees the blood of Jesus Christ applied to my life, the righteousness of God through Christ. He didn't just die for your sin. He died as your sin. And watch this. And he cast it as far as the east is from the west. Look at my posture. That's the cross. 
That's the cross. Several years ago, and I'm almost done. Several years ago, I was teaching. I don't remember if it was when I was at Mountain View or if I was at Faith. I don't remember. But I used to use an easel a lot to teach in classroom settings. And I was teaching Marty on sin. And, and I wrote down the word sin. Y'all, y'all get that with a close-up, guys, on the camera. I wrote down sin, and by the time I wrote it down, I realized that I had written it in a permanent marker. So in, immediately, I panicked. And, and watch this. Watch this. This is what I believe some of us are trying to do. You're trying to do it on your own, and you can't do it. You say, Mark, can you prove that? The law proves that. I don't have to. 613 laws of thou shalt and thou shalt not proved that we cannot do it on our own because he says, if you've broke one law, you're guilty of them all. How many of you in the room have ever in your life told a lie? Raise your hand. And I'm looking to see who's lying. (laughs) If you lied, then you are by, according to the law, a liar and by default, you're a murderer, an adulterer, a coveter. You're lost and you're doomed. That's how the law measures. But it occurred to me that there's a way to get that off. There's a way to remove that from my life. Say, Mark, what about my addiction? The blood of Jesus. Mark, what about my failed marriage, my adultery? the blood of Jesus. Mark, what about my thievery? The blood of Jesus. Mark, what about my disbelief? The blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sin? Sing it with me. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Y'all thought I was going to sing, didn't you? It's capable of anything that you have ever done anything you've ever thought. And there's something beautiful about the atonement in the Old Testament because it foreshadows the cross. Jesus, the one who had become the Lamb of God, the Lamb of God that take away the sins of the world. Did you hear the word I said? Taketh away. Because atonement is this. It's covering. But it's still what? But the blood of Jesus removes our sin and casts it as far as the east is from the west. It's not permanent. You've been told it was permanent. King Agrippa said, you almost persuaded me, Paul. You almost had me. And listen, and if he didn't change and and, and get persuaded, he is in hell today. But Paul, a man of faith, my glasses are gone. (laughs) A man of faith said this, Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus, who loved us. Paul said, for I am persuaded, listen to these words, that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, or any other created thing shall be able to separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Mark, you don't know what I've done. Neither death, nor life, nor principality, nor power, nor things you're doing then, things you're doing now, things you'll do in the future, principality, Satan, and all of his demons, there is not a thing in the world that can separate you from the love of the holy God. From the cross. 
So what happens here is the evidence of the persuasion. Because what they're about to say in a minute, you need to hear this. Jesus says, if you're ashamed of me before men, I will be ashamed of you before my father. Don't take that lightly. Because if you never tell anybody about Jesus, if you never crave to hear what he says in his word, if you never pray to the Holy Spirit to lead God and direct and to comfort you, you are lost. You're lost. Because you cannot be saved and have Christ in you and not desire his word. You cannot not desire to see people come to Christ. It should break your heart for the things that breaks God's heart. If it does not and there's no conviction, you're lost. But here's today. See, usually I do this at the end of the service and I got to thinking, what if we don't have the end of the service? Let it sit in. Travis, there's nothing, nothing that has to happen before Jesus says, that's it, come home. And guys, at that point, listen to me, 2 Thessalonians says, at that point, you're doomed. You just heard the gospel. Now you stand before the Lord without excuse. Naked. No one's with you, mom and dad, your preacher. You don't get to carry your Bible and hey, I was a deacon. You, if you don't accept Christ, you are lost and you're doomed and you have no hope. And if Jesus pulls his church out, you'll live for seven years on this earth and you'll watch all hell on earth unfold and you can't do anything. In fact, the Bible says in that day, they will seek death and even death will flee from them. But you have right now. So not with your heads bowed. Not under the shadow of a dim room. With your head up. Unashamed of the gospel. Realizing God just gave you a free moment right here and right now. And I don't care if you've been in church your whole life. If you have never called on the name of Jesus, repented of your sin, believed in your heart, confessed with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, believing God has raised him from the dead. If you haven't done that, I implore you to do it now. So I want to I pray with you. It's not a fancy prayer. It's not anything I'm doing. It's not because I'm a pastor and I can show you how. I'm just a messenger because I did the same thing sitting in a pew in Mountain View Baptist Church on the second row about three feet over next to Greg Boyd in 1991. And I might not have said the same prayer. So I'm, I'm literally just giving you a gauge and, and a model based upon scripture. I, what I really believe, I believe you can just say, God, save me, and you're saved. But let me give you some instruments. Let me give you some tools to carry through because when you do give your life to Jesus, you're going to walk out that door. The enemy's going to hit you because now you are a threat to him. He's going to tell you you didn't do it. So I want to give you the make sure. I want to give you the make sure. Here's what I want you to say. If you believe that you want to be saved today, I want you to pray right now from your heart to God. Right now, eyes open. We, there's nothing scripture says we got to close our eyes. So listen, here we go. Dear Jesus, I believe in you. Maybe we say this, I don't understand it all. But by faith, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I repent. I believe you died on the cross for me. And today, Jesus, I want to ask you to save me. Be the Lord of my heart. Be the Lord of my life. And help me to live for you.
to the day you call me home. Out of love, I normally ask everyone to bow your head and your heart and raise your hand and you walk out of here thinking something happened and it very well could have. But here's my premise today based under the conviction of the Holy Spirit today. If you can't stand for Jesus in here among people who love you and will celebrate you, you very well will not be able to stand for him out there where people will criticize you and hurt you. So I'm asking you, if you prayed today, unashamedly, you invited him into your heart. The Bible says you've been born again. You're already now seated in heavenly places. Your name has now been written by the blood of Jesus in the Lamb's book of life. Never, everybody say never. Never to be erased. If that's you today and you prayed and invited Jesus in your heart, stand to your feet right now, boldly. Boldly stand to your feet. Come on, some people are thinking about it. You did, I know you did. One, God bless you. You know what I believe? I believe there's others. And that's okay. That's between you and the Lord. I get it. I get it. I told you. Rex up there preaching and I'm holding on for dear life. I get it. You know what you're worried about? You're worried about what your wife's going to say. Your wife's been praying for you, brother, for a long time. I'll tell you what she'd say. She'd celebrate. She'd go home and cook you a dinner like you ain't never had. What will my kids think? What will my kids think? Your kids have been praying for you too. Unashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. We don't want to embarrass anyone, but hey, can I be honest? This is not embarrassing. Hey, y'all all know, how many of y'all are Georgia fans? Y'all know y'all act a fool. And there's like three LSU fans in the house. Y'all may be seated. Now I want to give you one more opportunity. I want all of you who have come today to be baptized, to come and make a line over here with, with uh, Travis, prepare for baptism. Philip, in the book of Acts, is having a conversation with a eunuch, an Ethiopian eunuch. Listen very carefully, listen very carefully. And he tells him the gospel. And here's what he says. He says, hey, Philip, what prevents me from being baptized right now? There is water. And Peter entered the water, Marty, and he baptized him there in that moment. Here's what I'm saying. If you gave your life to Jesus today, I encourage you to be baptized today. To get to the back of this line, you say, Mark, I, I would, but I didn't bring a change of clothes. We got you. You can come over here and see Tracy. Tracy, would you stand up over there, please? If you gave your life to Jesus today, or if you've never followed the Lord in believer's baptism, Since you've been saved, come see Tracy. Today is the day. Today is the day for you to follow the Lord. You say, well, my family won't see it. We're recording it. They're probably watching anyway, right? We have a towel. We have a change of clothes. There's nothing. I love the Ethiopian eunuch's persuasion. What prevents me from being baptized right now? There's water. And he entered into the water and was baptized that day. Thank you for joining us today at Northridge Church. We pray that today's message inspired you in your walk with God. We hope you take your next step by connecting with us online at northridgethomaston.com 